so I try to give another reflection now and I want to you know, uh, continue with the garden analogy which Ayanana Bodhi started to speak about in the morning because I think that's such a, you know, a good way of expressing what transformation is all about, I think. And uh, especially if we think about the process of uh, you know, composting where we you know, use uh, everything which is in the garden which, which we don't want to cultivate because we have decided you know, that's not, we can't use it as human beings, it, it isn't uh, something we can eat. So we make a decision between you know, those two things, the things we can eat and the things we cannot eat. So the things which nourish us like vegetables or fruits and the things which don't nourish us, which we call weeds. In, in, in our language and they might nourish other other beings but we mostly you know make arts for, for making food for ourselves so we go ahead and, and we take some of those things away and put them in a what we call a compost heap and then you know letting it sit there for a certain amount of time and then you know we take care that it doesn't get kind of caked up we turn it over regularly and through this you know turning over we make some space and and through you know making regularly turning it over making that space a process of decomposting can can start to happen if you just let it sit there it won't happen we have to kind of put some some extra effort into it so we, we you know we take a, a fork or something and and put in our energy, turn it over, make some space and through that space you know, oxygen can enter into the heap and then a process of, decompo of composting or de decomposition. decomposition starts to happen and you know, if there's the right mixture of things it can become very hot, it can become about 150-160 degree Fahrenheit so you can't even put your hand into it, it's so hot at a certain point and that's you know how I experience my own process of transformation often as well you know that it can become very hot very unpleasant and then you know there's the tendency want to release the heat through saying something or you know kind of displaying a certain body language or you know just not being able to contain the energy because it's so strong and you know, the practice is all about you know, helping us to, to develop the capacity to, to hold that heat of, of the decomposting process. Because if we can hold steady with it you know, and not kind of prematurely you know, spill it all out, it, it, it does have a, a very good effect. And um, for me, you know, it mostly starts with, with um, you know, becoming aware if I've made a mistake. Like, you know, if a regret arises, if I've said something or done something, and then afterwards I feel like, oh my God, you know, it would have been better not, not to do this. And then instead of distracting, you know, myself, I think, you know, I want to develop that quality of, of being able to, to be with the, the heat of the regret because that can be you know, a very strong incentive for practice. And then you know, we can see you know, that what different skillful means are available you know, to strengthen our ability to, 
to hold the heat. And uh, you know, the five precepts are, are a very powerful container for, for the process and actually essential. Without the five precepts, you know, according to the Buddha's teaching, it's not going to go anywhere, that process. It's like you, you make a compost heap and it has, a, has kind of, you know, the, the containing walls of it have lots of gaps and holes and everything is just spilling out. And so the heat can't really develop to the degree where, where the bits, you know, of the, what we're putting in there, where they start to, to break down. So it's prematurely, you know, it's interrupted and doesn't go anywhere. So the five precepts are really important and then next support would be you know to see you know how am I wasting my time I mean besides you know keeping the five precepts is is is, is great but we can still waste a lot of time with doing things you know which are considered you know kind of a normal thing to do in this culture and still you know you know watching TV or kind of spending a lot of time shopping, surfing on the net, doing, you know, getting carried away with your emails and all of those things. There's so many different ways which are, you know, quite innocent, but still, they, they you know, take a, a lot of time and, and just, you know, weaken our connection with uh, what really matters in life. So that's, that's another, you know, thing to consider. And, and the third one is, you know, to seek out wise friends or, or spiritual companions, you know, which can help us to, to um, you know, to go through difficult times and which, who can help us also you know, reflect back to us uh, important, you know, knowledge, information about ourselves. So the precepts and a spiritual friendship, sangha, while like coming together for a day long like this, this is very um, helpful, you know, to keep the, the compost heap, you know, really strongly together and to keep that process aired enough so that it gets really, it's, it's really can become very effective. And then, you know, when the compost heap, when that process, the breaking down has happened, it starts to slowly cool down again. And then, you know, the heat of the of that process starts to kind of you know dissipate and what's left is the warmth of wisdom and compassion and uh, you know for example the four brahma viharas uh, metta loving kindness compassion karuna uh, sympathetic joy mudita and upeka equanimity those four you know they are a result of having gone through that process of you know, heating up and it becomes, you know, very hard to bear and then, you know, going through it and allowing that process to open the heart rather than, you know, shutting down with it and going into repetition of patterns of, you know, kind of spilling it all out because we don't want to feel it and then it's just kind of repeating the same thing again and again, you know, attracting the same experiences, attracting the same scenarios again and again and again because we don't go through that we don't we, we don't have enough strength to go over that bump you know where, it, where it's, it 
becomes, you know, to a point where it can feel like it's very hard to bear. I just don't wanna wanna go further than this. I just stop here. So you know, the practice is really about you know building up enough strength so we can go further, further than usual. You know, we can go over that over that uh, edge, and then you know see further. And then you know again and again we're gonna meet an edge, but it's it's gonna become you know we we steadily or you know kind of we we kind of you know build up more and more strength. We can take more dissonance. We can hold more of that heat. And then you know the wisdom and compassion, which are, which are the result of it. Once the heat has cooled down which you know, gives us more strength and we can hold more. So it's a, it's a process which is um, you know, taking us deeper and deeper into reality. And I like very much the saying of Bhante Gunaratana, saying, you know, escaping into reality rather than from it, because that's the only escape which really is going to lead to anything uh, according to the Buddha's dispensation, you know. That's the real escape route, and it is uh, it is like a, a truth. We can align ourselves with that truth. We don't have to, uh, you know, invent that truth because it's 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 laws of nature's working by themselves. But we have to kind of develop the sensitivity so that we can discern, you know, which is in alignment and what isn't in alignment. And, you know, the, the afflictive emotions, those very difficult experiences, in their core, they hold wisdom and compassion. We just have to, you know, keep on looking and peeling away habitual ways of, of, uh, of you know, interpreting experience and look deeper, you know, come to that core of what those afflictive emotions have to teach us. And because, you know, the, of the intensity of the experience, it can sometimes be very difficult to stay with it long enough so that it can reveal its message to us. And I've brought some um, something with me. It's like it's again it's from the Tibetan tradition where they speak about the five kinds of wisdom. So there is this list of, of in the Tibetan tradition they are um, speaking about five different afflictive emotions. The first one is ill will or anger, and it said you know the this quality of ill will or anger holds like a, a strong clarity because when we have ill will, we know exactly you know, what we don't want. We see with great clarity what's wrong with the situation. And that, that clarity, you know, which is like inside of the, of the anger, if that is kind of laid open, it becomes what they call mirror-like wisdom. And then the afflictive emotion of pride you know, wanting to be special or, you know, needing to have something special, that kind of 
afflictive emotion, if you know we can work through it, the wisdom of uh, <coughs> equanimity or wisdom of equality is at the essence of that afflictive emotion. And then the afflictive emotion of, of desire or wanting. You know, if we are wanting something really very strongly, we you know we can become very very. Um, Resourceful, you know how to get that, or how to how to attract that which we really want. So that what is said here at the core of that afflictive emotion, there's the wisdom of discernment, and then the next afflictive emotion is jealousy. And it said, you know, at the essence of jealousy is the wisdom, the all-accomplishing wisdom, you know, always knowing exactly you know what to do in order to get what you want. And then the uh, afflictive emotion of delusion or, or ignorance. Um, say at the essence of that afflictive emotion is space-like wisdom, or the wisdom which can accommodate, you know, whatever is arising. So, you know, all of those uh, emotions, they have a core of of wisdom which we can you know participate in if we can stay with it long enough so we give it the space for it to reveal itself to us and you know that's what's meant with transformation because it's not about getting rid of any of these uh, experiences even it feels like we would like to get rid of it but that's not you know what true practice is all about true practice is about you know holding steady with the experience and letting it kind of just open you up and show you more about you know, reality. And I think you know, that's what we all engaged in that process and uh, you know, sometimes it works and sometimes it falls all apart, but we can learn from everything. And You know, the capacity for really kind of turning towards our regrets is, is a very uh, powerful tool on the path. And uh, I think all of you, you know, probably very easy, you can come up with, with some example in your life, you know, where you have learned from a mistake, where you have learned a really deep lesson from a mistake you couldn't have learned otherwise. So that's just the way things operate, you know, for us. And uh, you know, to you know, through spiritual friendship, we can you know, we can kind of speak with others about it and find out you know, this is it's not only how I operate; this is how everybody operates, and that gives us a sense of uh, um, you know, confidence that that this path is having, you know, like uh, its own intelligence and we just have to align ourselves with it. We don't have to um, struggle so much. And, uh, you know, that example of uh, you know, tending to our own internal world, like tending to a garden, I think is a very beautiful way of, 
of speaking about this um, cultivation of the heart and the cultivation of the mind. And, you know, reflecting on our experience in, in this way we can do that anywhere, you know, we can do that on the cushion, but we can do that, you know, when we're in the bus going to the, to the work, we can do that when we're lying in bed before we go to sleep, or we can do it lying in bed when we wake up in the morning, there's no, you know, situation where we can't do this. And uh, there's one sutta in the Matrimonikaya, where the Buddha you know, speaks to his son, it said he's seven years old at that point, and he gives you know, him some instructions about reflecting. And this is uh, Machamanikaya 61, Ampalatika Sutta, it's called, or advice to Rahula at Ampalatika, actually, that's how it's called. And you know, in the end, he says to his, he says to him about. You know, whenever an action is done by body, speech, or mind, before one does that action, while one does the action, and after one has done the action, one should reflect on, on that action. So, I just brought a quote with me. Would this action that I, if it's just before the action, you, you reflect, would this action that I wish to do lead to my own affliction? or to the affliction of others, or the affliction of both. So basically, I do to kind of ask oneself, and then while one is doing the action, asking in that way, and after one has done the action, asking in that same way. Is it a wholesome action with pleasant consequences, with pleasant results? And then he says, Rahula, that's the Buddha's son's name, Rahula. Whatever recluses and Brahmins in the past purified their body, verbal and mental action, all did so by repeatedly reflecting thus. Therefore, Rahula, you should train thus. We will purify our bodily, verbal and mental action by repeatedly reflecting upon them. So, you know, that's a, an instruction which we can, you know, take with us and take everywhere. It's, it's a very simple way, you know, of learning from one's own experience. And, you know, obviously the Rahula was just seven years old and he could do it, so I think we should be able to do it too. And what he also says in the Sutta, what is very important is, you know, honesty. Because without honesty, the reflection doesn't go anywhere. So that's really the point, is, is uh, honesty, you know, with, with ourselves, at least, you know, when we are uh, reflecting, to really open to, to our limitations, you know, and doing that with, uh, with kindness. And that's, you know, that's that, that kindness, that warmth of the Brahma Viharas, which comes through, going through the process of, of really, you know, heating up 
and uh, you know really holding steady with the emotions and then once you know it, it shifts again it cools down and there's a warmth which is left from having gone through the heat so it's it's a it's a powerful process and we don't have to make it happen we just have to allow it to happen and not prematurely you know shut it down because it doesn't feel good because you know nature doesn't care about how it feels it just wants to grow and if you know we are, if we are not aligning ourselves we experience a lot of unpleasant feelings we can sometimes you know for a short while distract ourselves or like you know develop some some kind of habit to you know numb out but it doesn't you know how long can you do it and then it all breaks down so you know just to, to kind of uh, developing that uh, uh, the quality of uh, sadha faith you know in the intelligence of this uh, this process of um, you know turning towards experience this is really the essence of what needs to be done and the whole body of teaching are different skillful means you know to to support that that turning towards rather than turning away and the precepts and and the different methods of meditation and the different lists you know to reflect upon the different lists of qualities to develop and not to develop they all they're all in, in the service of you know enabling us to turn towards experience and you know come down from abstraction come down from the head into the experience and it's all about you know developing the right relationship to our own experience I think that's what I wanted to say Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.